Here's what's coming up on today's show. Getting back to the to the basic point here, I, I don't think it's going to go away, and I don't think it's going to be reduced. So this is not a valid reason to collect early. This is the Retire Happy Podcast with John Amarino, a fiduciary financial advisor at Securus Financial in the San Diego area. And Thomas O'Connell, president of International Financial Advisory Group, Inc. in Parsippany, New Jersey. Together, they'll be keeping retirement happy from coast to coast. Welcome back to another episode of the Retire Happy Podcast. I'm your host on the West Coast, John Amarino, and I am joined, as always, by my esteemed co-host on the East Coast, Mr. Tom O'Connell. Tommy, how you doing, bud? I'm great. How are you, John? Good, good. Nice, uh, good weather out here and uh, getting ready to head into November already. It's crazy. Nice. And I I hear uh, through the grapevine that your son has a new hitting instructor. Yep. Yep. Uh, Two lessons uh, with uh, it's his name is Jacob Robson and uh, young kid. And Jake's I mean, Jake just loves the loves the guy. He's he's just simplified a very we're doing the controversial teacherman hitting which is Aaron Judge's hitting coach um yep. every every coach hates the swing but it's literally what all the outstanding hitters do Otani, Barry Bonds, Judge. So uh his hitting coach is actually in Southern California for the offseason. He played for the Detroit Tigers, Team Canada on uh, the World Baseball Classic and super humble kid and just has connected with Jake. So in two lessons Jake is Unbelievable! I mean, he's just smashing the ball. So tournament next weekend. All right, all right. We'll look so, forward. To, we'll look forward to seeing his uh, plaque in Cooperstown soon. Yeah, it'd be nice. Hey, we'll be in Cooperstown <laughs> this this summer. So and speaking of Cooperstown, our our guest uh, his home office is not too far away in Binghamton, oh, really? New York. Very nice. Well, let's talk about our guests and what we are talking about today is the important world of Social Security and our guests. Mr. Bill Reynaldi, the CFP, is a senior financial services consultant for Security Mutual Life Insurance Company and is the leading U.S. authority on Social Security and its impact on retirement planning. So right there, folks, you know we like to bring the best on the show, and that's what we're doing today. And we are talking about a benefit that is, you know, I believe... Tom Hegna says that most people spend more time planning their summer vacations and claiming Social Security, right, Tommy? Yeah, this is one of the biggest areas that people make, I would say, pretty dramatic mistakes in their planning process, not understanding what really goes on with it. And that's why I thought, you know, following up on our Medicare podcast um, that we did last month, I, I, I think this would, is a great add-on and very important for people to understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge, it's a huge part of retirement and the income planning. And, you know, in addition to just being a leading authority, you know, Bill follows along the lines of what's important to us and that's education. And he's been a feature presenter in numerous industry organizations and publishers. He's been Trusted States Magazine, Macmillan's Money Girl Podcast, Limra, and the Society of Financial Service Professionals. And he is also uh, the primary author, producer, and host of the SML Planning Minute podcast. So without further ado, I would like to introduce to you Mr. Bill Reynaldi. 
Welcome today's guest, the senior financial services consultant at Security Mutual Life Insurance Company. It's Bill Rainaldi. Well, hello to both of you. I'm really thrilled to be here. I, I have to admit, I'm, I'm an avid uh, listener to the program, and I, I think you guys do a great job. And oh, uh, thanks. I hope at least we up. have one besides our relatives. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you uh, thumbs up, hit the subscribe button. <laughs> and I think that um, when it comes to Social Security, you're right, Tom, when you talk about people making mistakes uh, in claiming their Social Security. And what people tend not to understand is that when you make a mistake, it could cost you money every month for the rest of your life. Right. So it's an absolutely critical decision that you have to get right. And unfortunately, too many people try to do it on their own, or they try to ask the guy at the Social Security office who doesn't know about your background, who doesn't know where your other savings are, what your family situation is, and so on. So as a result of that, I see so many people who make tremendous mistakes in Social Security and probably don't even realize it until much later on. Now, Bill, I think, and I've read, and... uh Tommy, you could tell me if you've seen a different number. 81% of people claim it to their detriment, meaning they claim the yeah. wrong benefits for their situation. Yeah. And almost all those mistakes, John, are um, the net result is that people pay, uh, claim too early and they claim before they're really ready. There's two things that people don't understand, I think, and when they go ahead and make that mistake. The first one is people tend to collect Social Security early in the belief that it's not going to be there. And you understand that that happens because there's an awful lot of bad press going around about the social security system and people are legitimately worried about what's going to happen. Now, I, I'm not able to say with certainty what's going to happen with social security, of course, but the way the system is now, if nothing is done between now and the year 2035, then they're going to run out of money in the Social Security Trust Fund. Social Security Trust Fund has about $2.8 trillion in it, and it's gradually di being dissipated. Now, that doesn't mean that Social Security is going to go away in 2035. It just means that there's going to be a reduction. The estimated reduction is about 20%. But that also assumes that Congress doesn't do anything between now and then. And I just don't, my, my personal opinion is I just don't see that happening. If you could look back in history, people don't realize that we were in this situation before, only it was much worse before. Back in 1982 or 1983, the uh, Social Security Trust Fund wasn't worth $2.8 trillion. It was worth almost zero. It had gotten dissipated to almost nothing. And it wasn't until then that Congress acted. And they made a couple of changes to the system. They changed the withholding rate, et cetera, et cetera. And they increased very, very gradually uh, full retirement age. So they thought they had fixed it for 75 years. And now, of course, here we are 40 years later with the same problem. But uh, and the thing I want to emphasize is that it took until the last minute before they fixed it. And that's what I think is more like, likely to happen. I wish they would fix it now because the sooner you can fix it, the better off you're going to be. But and I just firmly believe be. I'm sorry, Tom. And the less costly it'll be. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. And uh, if they only understood that, I think they would they would move more quickly. But that's, I guess, not the way things work in Washington. It has to be pretty urgent. And right now it, it's not considered urgent enough. So I think it is going to get solved. 
I just don't think it's going to get solved right away. And I don't think it's a valid reason to collect early by thinking that it's not going to be there. I think it is going to be there. And I think it is going to be it is going to be the full amount. When they changed it back in the early 80s, understand, uh, I'm old enough to remember this because I was a, a young adult at the time. And they changed the full retirement age back then from 65 gradually to age 67. And it's taking 40 years. I was in my early 20s, and I realized that I'm in that first group of people who are going to go from 65 all the way to age 67. And what do you think a 20-something kid says about something like that? He doesn't care. You know, I, it didn't make any difference to me. And yeah. today, I wish they had been more aggressive about increasing that age because we wouldn't have the same problem that we have right now. But uh, getting back to the, to the basic point here, I, I don't think it's going to go away, and I don't think it's going to be reduced. So this is not a valid reason to collect early. Hey, yeah, Bill, I, would, so you... I, I totally agree with that. Uh, so a couple of structural changes, I, I, I think we probably would see. Most likely is my, you know, my, my, my best guess is they're going to raise the full retirement age to age 70 because mm -hmm. people are just living longer and longer. They will do something about the COLA. And then the other thing is they'll probably get rid of the earnings cap. And then this way, all of your income uh, above was at 120 or 30,000 in that neighborhood. They're going to put a social security tax on all of your earnings as opposed to capping it. Yeah. So in other words, there's, there's two schools of thought there, Tom, and I think you're, you've summarized both of them. In other words, you give a little bit to each side. Some people want to raise the age and some people want to raise the tax. And if you do both of those things, that should make the, the program solid for a long time. Now, chances are, if they did that, I would think they'd phase it in. They wouldn't just do it overnight. Right. But I think that's a great solution. So you and I should get together and we go down to Washington and we can get this thing solved in, in a day. Oh, I don't want my yeah. feet stuck in that swamp. <laughs> <laughs> now, hey, Bill, so you had mentioned, as, you know, they raised the full retirement age and, you know, they could do that again. If they were to raise the full retirement age even further, do you think that they will now increase the, the maximum delay age past 70 and even increase the minimum age from 62 up to 64, you know, kind of make that sliding scale and, and raise all the ages? Well, uh, it, it's very hard to predict what they're going to do, John. Uh, I would say that last time, that's not what they did. Last time, they kept the earliest age at age 62 and the latest age at 70, and they just messed with the full retirement age in between those two. I think they should do that just because people are living longer. Understand, when they started the program back in the 1930s, full retirement age was 65. People are living a whole lot longer now than they were back in the in the 1930s. Uh, so for that reason, I think that that would be a good idea. The problem from a political standpoint with doing this is that when you do something like that, people who disagree will refer to it as a benefit cut. And technically, it is a benefit cut, because if you wait till age 70 now, you're going to get 124 percent of your benefit. If you change change it the way you describe, then when you get to age 70, you're only going to get 100% of your benefit. So no matter what age you retire, you're going to get less. Uh, so in that sense, that that's the political argument that has to be ironed out with that. But uh, my preference would be to do something like that. Now, Tommy's he's in the RICP program. I, I've got my RMA designation. So we both focus on retirement planning, sought out the education for it. 
And an interesting point that you were talking about as to why people claim Social Security is in, in during my studies, they actually brought up a psychological approach. And I wanted to talk to you about this, about how people will also claim Social Security because they want the they they want that familiar feeling of the paycheck that they had in their working years. And now they're in that foreign, you know, now I got to spend down from my savings. And I've actually seen this in my office. People are like, I want that paycheck and I'm willing to to forego benefits just for that peace of mind. Can you, can you speak to your knowledge on that? Well, I, I would say that that's why we have people like you and Tom out there. And that's the biggest challenge you're going to face is getting them from point A to point B. And you have to be creative. Maybe a bridge annuity or something like that would work under those circumstances just to get that money so that they they can wait if they can afford to until age 70 to start collecting. Uh, and then they'll in the long run, they'll be better off. But that is definitely the biggest challenge we all face. Um, also, another possibility would be voluntary withdrawals, let's say from a uh, a rolled over IRA or something like that uh, to get you from from one to the other. There are a lot of options. You know, I think right. one of the things that people don't realize, everybody always talks about the crossover period, so on and so forth, right? But what people don't realize when you're living into your 80s and 90s, you could literally be losing hundreds of thousands of dollars of income by making that age 62 choice. And then there's a couple other things that go with it, which you know we're going to get into in just a couple of minutes. One is uh, survivor benefits, which people do not realize what that means to them, right? And then and then the the um, earnings test where people can be or will be penalized if they take it early and then make too much money while they're still working. Well, I think that's exactly right. Um to to uh to amplify what you're talking about the survivor benefit tom understand living into your 80s or 90s is one thing but a lot of people just take that one dimensional approach am i going to live into my 80s or 90s it's actually a two dimensional approach because you got to look at if you're a married couple is one of us going to live into our 80s or 90s and that changes the equation quite a bit basically the way there's very few things in social security that are simple one thing that is simple in social security is the survivor benefit assuming you get past a certain age let's say both spouses make it past age 70 then the survivor benefit in social security is simply the higher of the two so if i'm collecting let's say two thousand dollars a month and my wife is collecting a thousand dollars a month if something happens to me then she steps up to that $2,000 a month. So that's that's a very important consideration that people miss. So, I mean, I had this conversation with, with someone a couple of months ago, a guy who was in his early 60s who wanted to collect early because he didn't think he was going to live that long. And he had some health issues and so on and so on. So he had he had an incentive to start early. But when we had a discussion, we came to realize that his wife was 10 years younger than he was. You know, women outlive men by an average of about three years anyway. And uh, she was in excellent health. And in addition to that, her Social Security benefit, her personal Social Security benefit was much lower than his. So under those circumstances, yeah, maybe you can collect 60 at age 62 if that's what you want to do. But just understand that 
your surviving spouse is going to get stuck with whatever you do. So right. if you wait until, if you collect at age 62, she might outlive you by 20 years. She's going to be stuck with that lower benefit. See, that's the thing that a lot of people don't even think about when they decide when to collect Social Security. And uh, as a result, they end up collecting too early. Some people don't even realize that they're going to lose one of the be uh, benefits. There are people that are st out there that are under the impression that no matter what happens, they're always going to get two benefits. Yeah. In fact, there was a survey done by Mass Mutual a couple months ago where they asked that specific question. And I was stunned by the number of people who got that question wrong. Uh, they think that the two benefits would continue for life. No, only the higher of the two, assuming you're past a certain age, will continue for the life of the second spouse. And that's another place where guys like you really have a, a planning opportunity. and can really work with people to try to figure out what the best option is to plan for something like that. Perhaps a life insurance policy would fit in nicely there to try and you know replace that income that is, uh, that is lost. Music to my and, ears. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, the big thing, too, is I think especially working with a financial professional or, or more importantly, a retirement professional, because not all financial professionals know how to maximize Social Security. But you really got to take in. I, I think, you know, from Tommy and I's perspective, we're looking at things from a 360 you know, degree angle. Most of our clients are looking at it from a tunnel vision angle. And and like you said, Bill, you know, we've helped clients that are in their 60s help them coordinate widow benefits in line with their survivor benefits to maximize that income. And then we've also helped them when uh, you know the clients have been beyond 70 to understand, hey, now that we delayed, now we're getting a huge benefit. But you know, one thing I'd like to, to discuss on this topic is what are some of the red flags you've seen in planning? I mean, from things you've heard from advisors, because I've I've had, you know, we always collaborate with our clients and we get feedback. And if they don't, you know, if they have a, an opinion on something, we always ask why. And I was talking with one client and she's like, well, my sister's financial advisors told her to claim early as soon as possible. And I said, why? And she goes, well, that way he can keep the money invested and grow it. And, you know, my pushback there was like, so we're going to replace an 8% rolled up guarantee on the income for a hope and prayer on the investment returns. And we have to remember that social security is expensive money because it's an income stream. And when we are able to show the benefit of the whole, the whole circumstances, that's when we are able to understand the importance of our plan. So can you kind of tell us some red flags that you've kind of seen in, in talking with advisors or, or just presenting at conferences? Well, let me just follow up on what you're talking about, John, because I, I can think of one circumstance where what that individual suggested might make sense. And it's the following uh, situation, like the situation I talked about before. Let's say my wife's benefit is significantly lower than my own. And let's say we're about the same age. If I personally wait till age 70 to start collecting my own benefit, under those circumstances, it may very well be okay for my wife to collect as early as possible because that's not the big driver. The big driver is that find that bigger income that would come from me and eventually become the survivor benefit. So under those circumstances, maybe someone might want to collect earlier. Another place where someone might want to collect earlier 
and I see this more and more these days, is where someone, an older couple has young children. And because there's a children's benefit that's available to the child until they reach age 18 or 19 if they're, if they're still in high school. Under those circumstances, if you wait, you might lose that children's benefit just because they age out of the program. So there are some circumstances where that that idea works. Uh, more often than not, it doesn't, though. And I think one of the red flags that comes up is something we talked about very briefly before, which is the earnings test. A lot of people have this inclination to just go ahead and collect early, as early as possible, which is age 62, age 60 if it's a, if it's a survivor benefit, but age 62 for most people, not understanding how the earnings test works. And the whole idea of the earnings test is that they don't want you to work full time and collect your Social Security at least until you get to full retirement age which for most people uh, that we talk to now is age 67. The earnings limit for next year for 2024 is $22,320 a year. That's not a whole lot of money, but basically what that amounts to is that if you earn more than that amount, then they're going to reduce your Social Security benefit, and they're going to reduce it by $1 for every $2 over the limit. So for most people, if they're still working, and they want to continue to work, and let's say they're making $75,000 a year or more, that's going to essentially eliminate the possibility of filing. They're going to have to choose one or the other. They're either going to have to stop, uh, continue working, or if they don't continue working, then they can collect Social Security, but they can't do both. It's just not going to work. Now, understand, when I say that $22,320, I'm talking specifically about wages okay i'm not talking about interest income or with withdrawals from an ira or anything like that it's just the wages they don't want you working and collecting it at the same time at least until you get to age 67 and most people seem to forget that so that's 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 one big red flag that i see right there and unfortunately i, I i've seen people who have said well i'm just going to tell them i'm not making anything i'm not working anymore now listen how does the that SS work out well, the the one good thing is that the SSA is not the IRS, okay? So they can't garnish your wages. They're not going to send auditors to your home or anything like that. But it's not like they don't talk to each other. Of course yeah, they those, talk to each other. Those pesky 1099s and W-2s might get in the way. Yeah, I would say they do. And <laughs> they're going to, you know, I, I talked to uh, a woman recently who had who had just gotten a what's called a, a demand letter from the SSA saying, you told us you were going to make this amount, you made that amount, therefore, we want this money back. And it's very unpleasant when something like that comes. You don't want to have to deal with something like that. You know, so, Ed, Ed Slot is uh, famous for saying, uh, you know, how, how are they going to know? And his answer is always, ask the guy in the cell next to you. <laughs> uh, you know, so, um, but... Let's talk about that earnings test a little bit further, if you don't mind. Um, so there's a penalty. It's a one for two, right? And mm -hmm. then in, in your uh, year of full, your full retirement age year, it's one for three, I think, right? But what happens to those dollars? That's something that a lot of people, you know, they get that wrong as well. So they think that that money just disappears forever. So what happens with those dollars? Well, let me just give you a very simple example of what happens. Let's say... Your uh, you file 
at age 62 and you continue to work and you don't make that much money. Let's say you make 30 something thousand. And as a result of that, uh, well, first of all, you got to put that estimated amount on your application when you uh, apply to collect Social Security and then they true it up the next year. Uh, but let's just say it happens to work out that you lost half of your benefit. Okay, it was reduced by one half. That doesn't mean that every check is going to be reduced by 50%. What that means is that you're not going to get anything at all for the first six months, and then you're going to get the the full amount for the remaining six months of the year. So if you understand that, you understand how they they, they, they rectify things at the end. If you're in that circumstance, what they would do is when you get the full retirement age, let's say age 67, they would add back the six months that you lost. So starting at age 67, they would treat you not as if you had uh, retired at age or started collecting at age 62, but as if you had started collecting at age 62 and a half. So there will be a bump in your benefit when you reach age 62. So uh, the most important thing to understand is that if you're subject to all this, and so many people are, not all is lost. Okay, you are going to recover some of that money in the future. Uh, so, and uh, you know, as an example, let's say you 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 um, start collecting at age 62, you make so much money that you never end up getting anything from Social Security, and and you never stop working. Well, then at age 67, you would be automatically starting to, to collect your full retirement age benefit. So they just basically add back the months that you lose because of the earnings test. So I had this with a client. Uh, can we talk about, so if someone claims Social Security, they're working, and then um, you know they, they get professional help and we say, hey, listen, this is a mistake. You shouldn't be working right now. And it's within 12 months. Can you talk about the, uh, for all you golfers out there, the social security <laughs> mulligan? Well, I am a golfer. And I do refer to it using that exact term. You can change your mind uh, within the first 12 months. Let's say you decide to collect at age 62. And after a couple of months, you're bored to tears. Or your boss says, I don't know how we ever got by without you. I'm going to offer you twice as much money if you come back. Well, under those circumstances, you have the option to withdraw your application within the first 12 months, and you uh, it'd be as if you never applied in the first place. That's the good news. There is some bad news, though. The bad news is you got to pay them back whatever you collected on that Social Security in the first place. So you're going to have to probably write a big check back for whatever it is, the three months, the six months of benefits you collected. But you do have that option and that does come in handy because you just don't know what it's going to be like when you actually stop working, right? You don't know what your life is going to be like really when that happens. So you have the option of, of fixing that if that's what you want to do. I think that's an important thing that people don't recognize. And if you do do that, then your social security, it's basically like it was never claimed and you go back on to the delaying credits, correct? That's correct. And I would also add, you know, I don't know how much we've talked about uh, the cost of living adjustments. Understand that the cost of living adjustments are going to apply either way. For 2024, it's 3.2%. You don't have to collect that year to get that COLA. The COLA is going to be there 
regardless of whether you collect or not. And that's an important consideration. Same thing applies if you pay the money back. The COLA is still going to be there. So, Right. If you're if you're 60 today and we're doing a plan and you get your Social Security statement and it says your age 67 full retirement benefit is three thousand dollars. Right. Seven years later, it's not three thousand dollars. It's the three thousand plus whatever the COLA increases are going to be. Uh, and or if, if uh, you know, you continue working and, and you're upping your Social Security, um, you know, uh, benefit by the the tax that they're collecting from you. Um, right. Right. So. Yeah. And uh, I would just add to that, that they, they don't know whether you're going to continue to work or not. But the assumption is when you see that age 67 number, they're assuming that you're going to continue to work and make whatever you're making now until then. So you don't have to retire and collect at the same time. You could retire from your job at age 62 and not collect until age 67. If you did that, your benefit would probably be a little less than what it shows on that statement. So, And I would just add, Tom, uh, for those people who haven't done it, anybody who has the opportunity ought to go to ssa.gov and take a good look at that statement. There's a lot of good information on there. Uh, one of the, the key factors that I like to look at nowadays is they'll show you exactly how much money you've put into the system since you started working. And that's a significant amount of money. You know, starting in 2024, they, they index the amount uh, that the withholding goes up to. It's going up to $168,600. And uh, for the first time ever in recorded history, if you make the maximum amount as a worker, you're going to be paying over $10,000 out of your salary goes directly to Social Security for the first time. And if you're self-employed, it's not $10,000, it's $20,000. Right. So that's a, that's, a, that's a very significant amount of money. So I think there's a lot of good information you can get by just looking at that Social Security statement. Yeah, and, and I think it's important, especially for uh, the self-employed, right, people who own their own business, the entrepreneurs, to make sure to check that because mistakes are made and you're not paid on, you know, for most people that own their own business, they're not paid on a regular paycheck system like uh, an employee of a corporation is, right? So a lot of of times they're not getting their income maybe or the vast majority of their income till the end of the year when they see what their profits, if any, are. And so uh, believe it or not, I, I know it sounds crazy, but the government makes mistakes sometimes. So there are a lot of people out there whose statements are going to be wrong. And you need to check that sooner rather than later. You don't want to be waiting till age 67 to see 10 years of your income was wrong. And then you have to go back and prove to the government that they were wrong. Yeah. Oh, that, that's 100% true. And I, I would say that with professional help, I, I think a self-employed individual might be able to structure things a little bit differently. And they probably have a little bit more flexibility when it comes to that social security benefit uh, than some other people might. So there is some hope if you get the proper help. And uh, that that's where people like you come in. I think you can really make a difference uh, to make sure you get as much as you can out of the system, as much as you're entitled to out of the system. So And make sure you go to ssa.gov, not .org, not .com, not .net, you know, all these other fake uh, uh, interweb link sites, whatever they're called, uh, you know, that are out there. It's .gov. 
Yeah, and they actually have some pretty good publications, too. In addition to getting your own statement, if you're, let's say, you're a, a state government employee who's never paid Social Security, you can look at their pamphlet there and see how that works as well. So there, there's a lot of good stuff on that SSA.gov. They do a much better job, I think, than IRS.gov does. So. Hey, now, Bill, talking about, uh, you know, logging on to SSA.gov and, and just the Social Security Administration in general, uh, you know, when, when I was a member of the National Social Security Advisors Association, which is, you know, headed by one of them, is, you know, I believe Jim Blair, former, yeah. you know, Social Security head of regional for 30 years, they really emphasize on the fact of not depending on the advice of the Social Security office. As a matter of fact, they said, and I don't know if, you know, times have changed, but they said that they actually recommend no advice be given by their employees. Can you talk about getting advice from the SSA uh, officials directly? Well, yeah, I, I, my understanding is that they're really not supposed to give any advice at all, but that's not what happens. People start asking questions and they, they try their best to help, but it doesn't always work out so well. And as I said before, they don't know anything about your circumstances, your personal circumstances. They don't know how much money you have saved. They don't know how old your spouse is, let's say. They don't know. You might have a disabled adult child uh, where that child could get a, a Social Security benefit from, from you, and that might affect the decision. They have no way of knowing that unless you tell them. So you really need to get a more in-depth analysis done. And uh, I, I I, think it's okay to go to the SSA, dot, SSA office if you want to do it that way, sit down with them. But if you have something specific you want to talk about, I would set an appointment. I wouldn't just show up at the office. But if you set an appointment, and let's say you want to talk about a spousal benefit or something like that, they will set the appointment with someone who knows something about spousal benefits. But again, you just can't rely on them to give you advice because they just don't know, don't know enough about you to do something like that. Kind of like uh, getting uh, advice into uh, on a 401k company calculator as to when you can retire. That's right. Right. <laughs> right. Now, yeah. uh, I know your website at, at work, Bill, that you guys have a um, cal uh, have a, a spreadsheet or a, a worksheet that folks can download, right? And and they can work on it a little bit for themselves. Well, that's uh, that's for professional advisors only. Okay. Actually, okay. so but uh, but uh, it is available for an advisor from Security Mutual to provide uh, Social Security analysis to try to figure out what the best combination is. And you see, that's where it gets tricky. Anybody can try to figure out what the best strategy might be for an individual. Uh, based upon your life expectancy. But when you add that spouse in there, or maybe a divorced ex-spouse, which also counts, that's where it takes a little bit more analysis to try to figure out what the right number is. So that's where you really need help. But we do we do provide that tool to our agents. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and a lot of, I mean, a lot of sophisticated retirement income software, uh, you know, that Tommy and I both use, take into account all that situation where we're able to really dial down. What if the one spouse dies early? What if you're divorced? What if you, uh, you know, do have young children or uh, special needs? So again, working with the, the proper financial 
advisor that specializes in retirement planning. Uh, because as we are talking before the show, this is one of the largest income streams. If not, I think what over 50% of people or people are depending on social security for over half of their total lifetime income stream these days. I mean, that's a huge benefit. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, as I said, it's not just lower income people who have something to look for there. I, higher income people as well. From what I've seen in my experience, they really want to make sure they're getting out whatever they have earned from Social Security. So even if you don't need Social Security to get your next meal, it's still something that everybody has an interest in from what I've seen. You know, the high, what's, what's the highest monthly earning right now? Like $4,200 a month or something like that? Uh, uh, it, it, it's something like that. Let me just take a quick so look let's here. Let's pretend it's 40 uh, or 4,000 a month, right? So that's $48,000. So husband and wife, if you're both maxing out, that's $96,000 a year. That's, you know, not something to be sneezing at. That's way more than the median income in the United States. So you are, yeah. you know, you are talking about, you know, over, let's say a 20 year period, nearly $2 million between well, the two of you. Well, hang on, Tom, because the actual maximum amount is thirty eight hundred. Thirty eight hundred. Okay. Thirty eight hundred okay. in twenty twenty four. But like I said, there could be children's benefits and whatnot that add on to that. Right. So it could end up being it could end up being more than that for a yeah. couple. So, so, home. so four, yeah, what did I say four thousand a month. So you know what I'm off by a couple. You know, two thousand dollars or twenty four hundred dollars. So still, I mean, you know, you're you're still talking about over a million and a half over 20 years between two, a husband and wife. So yeah. that's more money than some people make in a whole t- in a whole lifetime. So you even emphasize your point of that huge dollar amount. Not only is that a big dollar amount, but that is a predictable and sustainable income stream, no matter what the markets are doing. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I remember uh, I used to work very closely with my dad, Frank, and he used to tell people, you know, someday Social Security benefits are going to be over $100,000 a year. And guess what? We're getting pretty close to that right now for a lot of people, for a yeah. lot of families. So yeah. it, it's, uh, it's a major consideration for anybody. So, Hey, Bill, one last thing as we kind of get towards the end of our show, and this may or may not be in your wheelhouse, but Tommy and I are always concerned about protecting people's wealth with identity theft. So- can you are you aware of any social security scams or how social security will communicate with you uh, if you reach out to them? Well, uh, that's one of the advantages is to going there in person, I suppose. But uh, they 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 publish every year a top ten list of scams that occur involving social security, and and you can always take a look at that. You can always subscribe to the SSA.gov blog. And they have that information for you uh, because it's happening more and more. And uh, there's there's no easy way around it. I mean, it's something we all have to be concerned about. It's not just Social Security either, of course. It's everything else. But Social Security in particular, perhaps because the people who use it tend to be older uh, and less sophisticated when it comes to computer technology. For that reason, um, it's something everybody has to watch out for, especially older people. They're not going to be reaching out to you on TikTok. Just uh, FYI. Yeah. And like, you know, the IRS always writes you uh, at your home address. Uh, You know, if you get a call 
from someone who says they're from Social Security or a text message even from someone who says they're from Social Security, you have to be extremely careful. And I would not provide any information to anybody who reaches out to you first. Right. Excellent. Well, uh, you know, Bill, we appreciate your your knowledge. I mean, this is such such an important topic and we appreciate you spending time uh, and, you know, for the audience. And, and I want to ask Bill uh, where they can find your podcast, because your podcast is a great podcast. It's not very long, it's not as, as long as ours, but it's weekly and it's filled with great information. So, Bill, where can they find your podcast? Uh, it's called the SML Sam Mary Lincoln SML Planning Minute. Uh, and it's available through most any other place that you get your your podcast through Google and through Apple and whatnot. And it's only five to ten minutes per week. We've done uh, over two hundred and fifty episodes, and we talk about things like will future retirees be able to maintain their living standard? Uh, are millennials better prepared or or boomers better prepared for retirement? Uh, and we try to throw in an occasional uh, celebrity estate podcast and thing like that, things like that to try and keep it interesting. Uh, but I, I, as I mentioned, it's, it's once a week uh, and it's real quick. And uh, we're really proud of how that has come out. So by all means, it doesn't cost anything to subscribe to that. So go ahead and do it. And, and I'm going to give a shout out to Bill, uh, not only Bill, but the company Security Mutual. Um Everybody who listens to the show knows that I'm a big fan of life insurance and uh, Security Mutual is one of my go-to companies. Their, their company is, is, has a stellar reputation. It's been around for almost 130 years, if not uh, somewhere around there, I think. A little longer, yeah. Paid a, paid a dividend for, I think, 127 consecutive years. Their service is impeccable. Um, the people that work for the company are incredible. Uh, I've become friends with Bill and, and Dan Foley and especially Marty Smith, all executives of the company. Uh, I couldn't say enough good things about the company itself. Thank you. And that and his his recommendations of life insurance company. I mean, if I have life insurance questions, I go to Tommy and uh, he uh, he does not mince words when it comes to his disdain for some of the companies out there. So <laughs> to get high to get high remarks from Tommy. Wow. <laughs> and to stay, especially in today's environment, to stay top of mind, I, I mean, that that is definitely uh, kudos to, to you and, and your folks over at Security Mutual. Thank you both. That's great to hear. All right. So, so let's wrap this bad boy up. Yep. So uh, again, Bill, thank you for uh, coming on the show. We appreciate it. And folks, uh, thank you for listening. Remember, Social Security Cola, 3.2% for 2024. And until next time, Tommy, have a great day and retire happy. From coast to coast. Take care, folks. It's easy to get in touch with John and Thomas. If you're more on the West Coast, give John a call at 858-935-6210. That's 858-935-6210. Or go online to gosecurus.com. That's gosecurus.com. If you're more of an East Coaster, then call Thomas, 973 973- 394-0623. That's 973-394-0623. And online at internationalfinancial.com. That's internationalfinancial.com. 
And you can, of course, always just check the description or the show notes section of today's show for all that contact information. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting apps, and we'll see you next time on the Retire Happy Podcast. Investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM, Securus Financial, and International Financial Advisory Group are independent of each other. Insurance products and services are not offered through BCM, but are offered and sold through individually licensed and appointed agents. The opinions expressed by John Iamarino, Thomas O'Connell, and guests on this show are their own and are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Investments involve risk and, unless otherwise stated, are not guaranteed. Past performance cannot be used as an indicator to determine future results. Any strategies mentioned may not be suitable for everyone. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. Before acting on any information mentioned, please consult with a qualified tax or investment advisor to determine if it is suitable for your specific situation. This program is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subjects covered. Registered investment advisors and investment advisor representatives act as fiduciaries for all of our investment management clients. We have an obligation to act in the best interests of our clients and to make full disclosure of any conflicts of interest, if any exist. Please refer to our firm brochure, the ADV 2A Item 4, for additional information.